Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. This week's topic actually ties into a a big event that we have coming up. Uh, We have the Inclusive Product Management Summit on May 20th and May 21st. Uh, Tickets are available now. Run, don't walk uh, to register. And at the Inclusive Product Management Summit, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the important topics that that Merrily and uh, many others talked about last year, which is uh, why inclusion is critical in product management, uh, how to drive success with inclusive product management, and um, how to embed inclusion throughout an organization. But we also have an entire day dedicated to inclusive AI. And it just so happens that Merrily, our, uh, uh, one of our guests today, has expertise in AI and machine learning and um, is going to tie in and, and to our topic of conversation today, which is what is unique about AI? What is unique about machine learning? And uh, what should a product manager uh, do uh, when either managing an AI and ML uh, specific product or trying to utilize and harness its power uh, to deliver value to your customers and to your business? Uh, we're also joined by Matt. Matt's been uh, an amazing help as an advisory board member for the Product Management Center, helping us shape the direction and, and fine-tune our vision and carry us forward to the next uh, next several years. We've got exciting things going on. So Matt, thanks for joining us too. All right. So first, I'm going to let Red tell us a little bit about himself and how people could engage in the conversation with Merrily and Matt today. Rock on. Thank you, Jeff. And uh, also, Matt joining on the stage. You know, when we talk about preparing for a show, Matt and Merrily, we got Eminem here to rock and roll. I don't know what I'm going to do with that pun, but expect it to come out later. Thanks for the applause. Thank yes. I, was, I couldn't get off mute fast enough to give you my hearty laugh. <laughs> Love it. I, you know what? You gave the puns earlier, Jeff. You unleashed the beast. Now, uh, tonight's show is recorded. There is a red dot above uh, for all those to see because uh, as part of the advisor, my background is an advisor for the Product Management uh, Center at University of Washington, is to help them bring the platform to more people who cannot access it. And the best way we do that every single week, Tuesday at 4 p.m., is to turn this into a podcast. So we're here on Clubhouse today for all those who are live and listening. But we also have a podcast that we've taken from this and produced, I think, over 40 episodes, Jeff, almost a, a clean year, um, really to make it so that people who want to be included who couldn't make it tonight can hear our conversations. But here's the kicker. Every single week, I also like to invite those to join our Slack group because we created a group for people to connect with other product managers, uh, ultimately to help them find their next job, to learn about a new technology, to avoid, honestly, the sales and recruitment aspects you might find in other Slack groups where we're non-biased, ultimately trying to create an equitable, inclusive environment for all to join what it means to be a product manager. So with that in mind, I will go ahead and pin a link right now, at least for the Slack group. And then later on, we're going to talk about other ways you can get involved in the bigger vision of unlocking the true power of what University of Washington can do for product managers globally. And Matt, I put the word unlock in there to plant the seed for future conversations about the work you're doing. So (laughs) with that in mind, Jeff, well done. 
All right. Uh, so, Matt, I actually want to lead with you, and then we'll we'll get to Merrily to to dive deep in this. But I'd love some context since you've been in uh, product management for years, uh, and now you're a, a CEO. But you've seen where product management has been uh, and where it's heading. And I'm I'm curious if you could share a little bit about um, what does AI or ML mean to product management, or where do you see it as kind of keeping things the same or, or changing what you'd expect your product managers at your company to be doing? Well, it's great to be back on Clubhouse. It's been a while. Um, I'm expecting Red to finish with his favorite new scotch, by the way, by the end of the program, um, which I'm, I'm dying to know. But yeah, no, Jeff, I appreciate that. I, you know, I've, I'm a reformed product manager. I started my career, career out in product management. And you know, the world looks a lot different now, obviously. Um, versus the skill sets and aptitudes that product managers that were successful back in my day um, versus now. You know, I, I would say just the product management mindset now is just pretty much data-driven product management versus I would call more the product marketing or kind of the classic product management methodology that you might have learned either from pragmatic product marketing, which is a class and a course where that's still, I think, taught today. But really, it's more data-driven now. It's null hypothesis testing. It's data-driven. Um, I think some of the most successful product managers I've worked with um, are using AI and ML to prove out their hypothesis and build you know, their own prototypes and fake front door products. And it's very data-driven. It's very different now than it used to be. So I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I look for those types of product managers than what I call the kind of the classic product manager skills. All right. And... Uh... For those wondering where Red was going with the unlock, Matt has a brand new book out there uh, that could help everybody unlock uh, the potential for their business. Uh, so if you're in, uh, leading a company or leading a business for a company, check out that book and we'll get Matt a chance to plug that in a moment or again soon. But Merrily, you've been waiting patiently. Uh, you started this whole thing. We were having, kicking back on Clubhouse over a year ago, regular, uh, having great conversations, and you're back, and it's great to have you back. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey as a product manager, and then dive into what you think is the importance of AI and ML. I am back, and I'm so excited. So I am very technical. I loved computer science growing up. I ended up doing a master's and then a PhD in machine learning. I had no idea what product management was all about. Um, not until I I got a scholarship from Google to actually do my PhD, and I got to to go to the campus and, and meet some people. So I met this this woman, and she said she was a product manager. Um, at first, I you know I didn't know what product management was. It, it, that was over ten years ago, right? Um, and I said, wait, product management isn't that sales? <laughs> she said, no, this is this is a very you know, it can be a technical role. And in fact, I have a software engineering background. And I just got very intrigued. I had to know more. I just didn't know what it was. And she walked me through what she does day to day. And she said, look, um, we work with engineers all day, specifically with software engineers and research scientists that produce models that train um, the, the computers to do something. For example, I worked for speech. So we have software engineers and research scientists that are training models to understand human speech. So if you have an Alexa device or if you have a Google Home device and you, you say Alexa or you say, okay, Google, and it responds, um, this is because of a product manager that leveraged these models and created um, this solution for some user need. It's honestly fascinating because you get to, to still be technical without doing coding. 
when I found out about that, obviously I, I was very technical. I had no idea how to pass the PM interviews, right? They're completely different. So I interviewed as a PM, failed really badly <laughs> to pass these interviews. And then I, I joined Google on an adjacent role to PM so that I could, you know, get some time to study more, understand what PM is all about. But that was always my goal to become a PM. Eventually, I practiced it enough. I, I did all the analytical interviews and the product sense interviews, everything that you, your folks, I'm sure are very, very aware um, of. And I became a product manager. All right. So uh, interesting path uh, to product management. I think that also highlights everybody's path is different. And Matt, sorry, we I, I kind of dove right in, but uh, UW grad, uh, tell us your quick backstory, how you first got into product. Yeah, I uh, went into product right away straight from my undergrad um, in Seattle. I've been a, I was a product manager for many years um, on the B2B side and then moved over to consumer um, years years later. And, um, you know, I would say that the product management aptitude really, and this is why I'm a big fan of what you're doing at the University of Washington, really wasn't taught and still isn't taught that well today. There's more programs available, but really in terms of a rubric and a pedagogy, it's very difficult to find you know, the best path to be a product manager. Every organization defines it slightly differently. And while in my previous answer, I really really leaned into the, the quantitative skills, there's tons of collaboration and creativity that you need to sell someone on your roadmap and to do prioritization. So there's, you know, a lot of EQ along with the IQ. Um, I learned my chops r really early in B2B. Um, and I was the real player product manager 1.0 if that means anything to anyone it did at the time. It'd be like being the product manager for Twitter in its day. And I use those product manager skills through startups and big companies, but the product manager mindset that I learned early on in my career really served me well and it continues to serve me well. And I, I try to teach product management centricity kind of concepts to general managers that I run across. So really coming out of the University of Washington, um, I got really excited about it early on and kind of rode the wave of the tech the tech wave here in Seattle. So University of Washington was was a really big part of that. All right. Always love the extra plug to the University of Washington. And Matt is living proof of that um, product manager to CEO pathway. Um, and Matt, thanks for joining us today. Uh, and Merrily, I, I want to ask you about AI in particular. Um, if somebody's in product management, but not uh, either overseeing an AI product or not utilizing AI, to be data-driven, what would you say is uh, an important skill to kind of pick up to be able to not code and program AI, but to, to be involved in it as a product manager? And that's a good question. Let's start by saying that you don't need a technical background in order to be an AI PM. So let's digest that. A lot of people don't even try. A lot of people get overwhelmed. But I want to make this as clear as possible. You do not need a background in AI to do this. So in order to become one, though, you need this skill. You need to not be afraid to learn new things. Okay? This is because if you want to, to work on AI products, you will need to learn basic AI concepts. So you're not going to need to code, but you will need to understand the design and development life cycle of machine learning models. So you need to understand how machine learning works, when and how it can be applied to solve problems, what quality means of a product, because quality is going to be so much different on the machine learning product versus a polished UX product, right? AI 
gets improved the more data we receive. So when we launch a new product that leverages an AI model, it is not going to be as polished because it's just going to be the very first version that doesn't have enough data. So we need to learn to apply data science processes and best practices for products to get improved over time. So this is kind of the, the different um, mind games that you need to get used to if you want to be an AI product management manager. But let me tell you, it's fantastic. It's very, very um, rewarding. Imagine you can create an awesome recommendation mechanism that's super personalized for like Netflix. Or imagine creating speech recognition products like I, I was. Or imagine being able to do um, image recognition and providing some fantastic new ways for people to communicate that are deaf, let's say, with, with each other. There's just so much impact that AI can have. And I don't feel traditional product management can be as rewarding. I mean, I'm obviously very biased. So to sum up, your skill would need to be, you need to be open to learning without being overwhelmed and without being afraid of it. And you need to, if you want, get your hands dirty with coding. You can just do it once, create the model, just train it to see what it's like, uh, but it's not necessary. But yeah, I'm, you can see I'm very, very passionate about this. All right. I love the passion. And, and Matt, I want to turn back to you as well. Uh, so for somebody who wants to get into product management in a new kind of area, it's a little bit more adjacent from where they are right now. So maybe they're not in AI, um, but maybe it's not AI. Maybe it's something else that they want to switch from where they are as a product manager to where they see the world going. What do you recommend uh, they do in their current role to be able to prove that they're ready to, to make that switch and take on a responsibility in a new domain or in a new product or a new skill set? That's a good question. Uh, this is assuming you're in a large enough organization to support this recommendation, but I always found that folks that want to jump from one aptitude vertical to the other look for mentors or sponsors and jump on new assignments that will flex their skill sets a little bit. For instance, I've seen UI UX folks who want to jump into product management start to lean in into you know one of their small scrum teams um, more product management work in association with the head of product or maybe even a product manager and so I've seen that work really well Practi working with practitioners that can mentor you along the way uh, I've seen work really well and I'm curious what Marilee's seen um, what I have seen in terms of what exactly uh, moving from one discipline non-product management to product management okay I see what you mean. What I've seen there, um, I don't want, let me see, I'm going to try not to be very negative here, but I do want to say that people that want to get into product management, there's a lot of people that want to do this. If you're truly passionate about product, you should definitely work um, to, to pivot to the field, but don't become a product manager just to become a product manager, if that makes sense. So. What I've seen in the past, it, I've seen people that became product managers and then they completely um, changed their minds and they wanted to to change professions and go back to the to where they were. So the most successful PMs that I've seen that have pivoted from another profession to um, PM are people that tried it out a bit. And I love companies that have rotation schemes so that you can kind of taste the water, see if it's for you, see if you're for it. This is what Google does, which is really, really great. Um, because this is going to set you for success. Um, with that said, 
it is possible for anyone with any background to become a PM. I see people that have studied biology or religion or um, literature to become PMs, and they're fantastic PMs. So I do want to encourage everyone to do that. But I do want to make sure that people um, know what being a PM is all about before they just um, jump the gun and, and quit and, and, and start um, applying to PM roles, if that makes sense. All right. Uh, so uh, we've got, if anybody else has similar questions or any questions, uh, we are going to have audience questions in about 10 minutes. So uh, Red will be sure to be ready. And you don't have Sumeya here to laugh with you, Jeff. So ha. That's why I'm giving that was good. laugh that was myself. Good. You know, Marilee, he <laughs> yes, said it best. Oh, he man. said it best. Anyone could become a PM, but they shouldn't. And anyone could become a comedian, <laughs> but they shouldn't, Jeff. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> uh, Can I jump right. on to something that Marilee said, Jeff, before yeah, I Yeah, please do. Thank my you. Fr my French bulldogs decided to join us on this call. Um, you know, I've seen so many product managers throughout the years. I'm not sure what the panel would say, but, you know, I could probably count on two hands, maybe one foot, how many exceptional product managers I've worked with. Um, this is the Marilee's point about not everyone should be a product manager. It's a really hard position to be good at, and it's not everyone can do it. Uh, obviously, encourage people to do it, and I give some recommendations. But yeah, you know, it's one of the hardest roles to fill. I just found a, a product manager to work on this project, and he has a really atypical background. And I don't think I would have been able to design this human being from from his LinkedIn whether he'd be a good product manager or not. It's a very hard position to fill. But when you find somebody who's good at product, it's amazing. But, you know, I have not met many great product managers throughout the years. There's not that many. All right. So we've got a little bit of negativity that there's not that many great product managers and uh, it's not for everybody. Let's give the flip side of that coin of um, Merrily. Yep. What are, uh, and let's go specific, not just to product management, but to product management uh, in AI and ML. Um, what are some personal characteristics that you've either seen within yourself or that you've seen within others who have succeeded in AI uh, product management. So again, not just product management in, in general, but specific to AI, what are some characteristics within yourself and others that, that make it uh, a good fit for that? I would say curiosity. So we're still starting to, to work with AI in the capacity that we are. What can we achieve with it? What, are, what can a smart model that used to be just research actually, how can we use that in order to solve user problems? How can we make a device smart that is going to help us change the lives of users, really? So number one, curiosity. Number two, not being afraid to fail. And I know this sounds cliche, like everyone says, hey, don't be afraid to fail. But in AI, you are going to try things and they're not going to work out. You need to be training model after model after model to see what kind of quality you're going to get to see what kind of data you can find in order to train these models. It is a long process. Um, your researchers may say, look, it's going to take two weeks for me to try out this new model. And you just need to wait it out. If the model doesn't work out, you will have, you, you think you will have wasted two weeks, but in, in essence, you're just part of the process. So you need to be also very, very patient. It's, it's long, it's new, it's vague, but let me tell you, when things work and you achieve something completely new in AI, it's just fascinating. It's fantastic. Um, one more trait I think would be um, 
not to if if you are the kind of product manager that wants to have quick wins i don't think ai product management is for you and i'm saying this because it's one thing to try out different models and different technologies and so on but it's another thing to to just want to launch 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 you're not going to do this you are going to be re- reinventing new things you are going to be start um, challenging status quo but it's not going to be as quick as traditional product management um yeah so it's it's really really great but it needs pa- patience and passion so it's that's that's the what i have to say awesome very helpful uh and then diving deeper into that uh merrily what are the success metrics within an ai product management because i i know mm-hmm. we've had previous conversations success metrics is often like how often do you ship the the velocity of pushing new features and products you just said this that's not this is not for you if that's mm-hmm. uh, your success metric so mm-hmm. what do you see as success metrics for ai product managers success it's it's tricky because as a product manager you need to define what quality means for your product and quality is so difficult to define for something that hasn't been done before quality can mean how many false accepts you have and how many false rejects you have. So you get to roll up your sleeves and and define metrics that are a bit more technical. And these kind of define you as a product manager as well. So a success criteria is no longer, hey, how many features did we launch? But it's more like, how many features did we launch that met this quality bar? And the quality bar is set by you. So it's just interesting. Um, The other thing is, you do review competition and what other companies are doing within um, that same domain. And it may be the case that you as a product manager need to publish more research. So I've seen that before um, where we, you know, you can go to conferences, you can see what other companies are doing and you kind of want to stay ahead of the competition and you publish research. I've, I had actually a friend that was a PM that got promoted because they, they published three papers so they were able to push the boundaries on AI. They weren't able to launch a feature that had great quality, but they were able to get enough learning for the next iteration to bring um, some great new products um, to life. Uh, I don't know if you've used any translation products where you know you can point your phone to to a word and then it just maps on your screen that same. The same word in a different language. So this is like an example of AI and how fantastic it can be and how impactful it can be as, on a product. But in the beginning, it's just not going to be good. Okay, you need data to train it. So you as a PM are need to define what quality means, and you need to be able to write a performance review to say, look, we were able to launch this. Quality was good enough for the users, and this is the feedback we got and we are moving forward to the second iteration which is going to be even better so yeah quality is is really tricky to define but it's a fantastic trait for a pm to be able to define what quality means all right thanks for sharing that and then matt i'm going to put you on the spot with a random question but it's satisfy my curiosity and maybe somebody else's if it's okay to put you on the spot here ceo now started as a product manager uh so you have a love of product how often, or if at all, do you, do you actually engage with your product managers? Like, so are you? Is what they're doing bubbling up to you now, or does that get kind of report, folded into to somebody else's OKRs and somebody else's objectives within your organization? Um, interesting question. Every week, so yeah, I'm in like two sprint meetings a week that are thirty minutes each. 
Um, and then I'm in design reviews and Slack Figma. I look at Figma all the time. So I'm very involved. And, and so what are you seeing in terms of uh, success for those that are embedding AI or working on AI within uh, your organization? How do you define success or do you have any thoughts on how somebody else should define success in these, this realm? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I've gone back and forth on this topic and I tend to lean a little bit more how Atlassian looks at stuff um, in terms of product prioritization. Um, to me, it's uh, it, depending on the product prioritization framework you're using, you know, we could get very kind of pedantic about it. I would say at the end of the day, it's, are you building epic shit? Um, I could talk about the Kano model or prioritization frameworks, but, you know, to me, it's as a product manager, I'm defining some level of satisfaction, whether it's, you know, what level of delight or excitement against the themes I'm going after. And, you know, with AI, it can be, you know, Rosetta Stone, um, we used, you know, we used AI for our language module. You know, I always spent time looking at the double negatives. Um, there's, you know, language is a really hard problem by language, where you're speaking, geography differences. I mean, it's very complex. Gender, um, gender identification, children. I mean, it's, it's massively complex. And so, you know, trying to look at that, I was not the product manager on the, on the language module, but I was looking at the data on the language modules uh, and by SKU. I was always like, okay, what's the data actually saying in terms of double negatives? And then what was the satisfaction perceived by the customer? And so not just looking at the raw data in terms of the output of, you know, am I rolling my R's correctly versus, okay, the, the data model says, suggests something. Okay. That's one data point. And then qualitatively, what is the, what is this, what is the customer saying, saying about the data module? Uh, that, that was always important to me that you look at not just the raw data, but also what was the perception. You know, another example is, Years ago, I um, was working with the Dolby codec on a, on a product called The Real Player, and I was trying to test whether static sounded better than quiet. Um, and so, you know, the data would suggest that customers liked a certain approach to audio failures in the codec. But when you actually looked at the customer data, basically in how they were submitting the customer data, it actually was different than what they what, what would suggest that they were doing in the software. So it's very it's very good to have. A, a North Star around your feature and de design it with the specific delight in mind. It's not just sometimes the AI output isn't exactly uh, mapped, correlated to exactly what the customer uh, perceives. So I, I try to have those metrics in mind when someone comes at me with, you know, here's here's this raw data and, and this AI was successful with, with this output. I'm always like, yeah, okay. But do you have a perspective of the customer empathy behind it? And do you know what you're trying to solve for? I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know, I have a lot of examples around this where you're like, well, it kind of makes sense in the data, but the, why is this person still going through this arduous experience? If it kind of seems like it was a bad experience. So there's another layer to the product manager in ter terms of defining the, the success metrics and uh, really around solving what that customer's problem is, um, if that makes any sense. It does. Uh, so thank you for that perspective. And now it's uh, almost time for Red uh, to manage the stage and welcome all of you. So get your hand raise button if you had a question or comment to add to this conversation. Uh, before we do, I just, of course, have to, to again, plug the Inclusive Product Management uh, Summit, which is coming up May 20th and May 21st. We have a whole day dedicated to inclusive AI. And um, I, I personally think this is just a, a, an incredibly important topic. Uh, 
and and that's why we we're spending a whole day on it because AI could really uh, make things better for everyone, or it could really bring out the worst and um, really exacerbate some societal inequities. And we see AI with uh, with search results, with computer vision and image recognition, and and and. Uh, all sorts of recommendation engines. So all sorts of ways that uh, AI plays a role in everyone's daily lives. And if we think about it carefully, uh, we could put guardrails in place that that kind of create inclusive AI and make the world better, or it could run all over us and, and make the world uh, significantly worse. And so we've got a whole day dedicated to why inclusion is critical in AI, uh, how to drive success with inclusive AI, and how to make AI inclusive. So that's for anybody who's trying to get into product management, uh, somebody's in product management, trying to get into AI product management, or if you've been in AI, then it'll help you do it even better. And so please register. Oh, Red, we're a teamwork here. Red put the link there uh, here in Clubhouse. And if you need a scholarship, the deadline is May 6th. And so if you need a scholarship, we want to be inclusive of everybody, not just those who are able to pay. But May 6th is a deadline. So by the time you've heard this podcast sent out next Wednesday, you're pretty close. So uh, hurry up. Check out that link and request a scholarship. Otherwise, if you're able to pay, please do, because it supports all that we're doing uh, to, to develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. Red, you've got two geniuses on stage, uh, M&Ms. Uh, I don't know why I, I think that's funny. I don't even know where to go with it, the M&M. Um, I got no other jokes beyond that. <laughs> but uh, Red, manage the stage. Let them, let them uh, start answering questions the audience has. Absolutely. And I appreciate you opening up the world of DEI AI. I just coined a new acronym and extended it. Uh, so for those who are interested in anything Jeff said, and you know what, for those who couldn't make the stage today, ping me on LinkedIn, I'll send you a link, we'll hook you up with the Slack group. But there are people who are now patiently waiting to ask questions. For those who are not familiar with how to ask questions, there's a little message chat bubble on the bottom left of your screen if you're in Clubhouse today where you can click it and type in your question if you're on Slack, Slack it to me. Or if you wanna raise your hand, I was a little on the bottom right end of your screen, just a little clipboard where you can click on that and raise your hand and we'll invite you up on stage. Now, I know one of our past guests, Raul, has been incredibly patient. And also, Jeff, as Raul has said, he's now being attacked by his little children. I would say monsters because I have mine duct taped to my couch right now, so they're not on the show. But he is willingly letting them uh, romp us around. So he took the time to uh, thumb through asking his question. And this is for Eminem. Um, so either one of you can go first. Uh, Matt and Merrily, would you say you enjoy and love working more with and on the product, so AI and ML, or do you enjoy working more with the people and surrounding yourself with other PMs, people and experts like yourself who know AI and ML, or both? And uh, Merrily, please, knowing how much Google has invested in this category, please, we'd love to know. What a great question. It, it had me thinking for a second. I think it comes, there's no right or wrong answer. I think it comes down to your personality. Are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? I am an extrovert, uh, which means I gain energy when I am around people, when I'm discussing with people, when ex ideas are being exchanged and so on. But I've met PMs that are introverts that just like to do their own thing. They like to, you know, have their headphones on and just researching and, and, and trying new things out and then presenting them to people when they're a bit ready for it. So I think I get more enjoyment when I have like-minded people in the same room, just brainstorming ideas and so on. 
that's a great answer. And as I think I'm called an ambivert because I can be both someone <laughs> who wants to be left alone on the weekends and uh, I like to party. Oh, I like, I I'm going to use that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what is your take on, is it the AI and ML that excites you or the people or both? It's a great question. Um, the latter, like Mary Lee. Uh, it's funny though. I have, I've seen the two different roads, the Tigris and the Euphrates on this question is there is a split. And so the introverted PM that I know who's gone on to be a pretty successful CEO is like the nerdiest introverted CEO I ever met. Very different than, than other PMs that I worked with. And, and so you can, you can be great regardless. However, what I've found to be, this is my bias, the most successful PMs I've worked with that, that want to be executives they tend to be the latter. They tend to like scale through people, know how to collaborate, get the best ideas out of a team. But that's my bias. Well, I don't think it's 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 a bias per se. I mean, this is why we're all asked it. There, and maybe this is a follow up question because I have a private channel going with them. Is that we have a choice as a product manager to choose the company and the product we're working on, or to choose the people, or is it both? So maybe if I expand the question back for a lot of people here who have a very difficult decision. Do they chase the thing they're passionate about? Not the people, but the products, the industry, or do they chase the team knowing that the product and industry may become second? And the only reason I'm asking this is merely originally, we started this whole conversation around, don't become a PM to become a PM. Like if you're someone who wants to be an AI and ML and has that experience, you're gonna be formidable. But if you don't have that AI and ML experience and you're just joining for the people, is that a discount? So I, I want to re-ask this question, but in a different way. So for all those who are listening, Marilee, Matt, and Matt, we'll start with you. If you had a choice between the steaming hot industry and that you're passionate about, let's call it, uh, you know, uh, just a, maybe pets. There you go. Pets. You're working on products that are focused on the future of making pet health better uh, using technology. Or you have the option of just working uh, independent of the scope of the work. It's the people that are what you're passionate about, but it won't be pets. It'll be gaming. Complete opposite. It'll be uh, games that are hurtful to pets, God forbid. But, uh, you know, I'm speaking in hyperbole here, Matt. What, what's your preference there? What would you choose and why? That's a really hard question for me because I've done both. If I'm, Wait, you've worked on games the, that have hurt if, pets? <laughs> I was about to say. I, uh, maybe I have, actually. Um, just kidding. Game House, by uh, the way. Game House didn't hurt. Metaphysically hurt pets. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. You know, I you tend to hire for passion and you tend to work, you know, do your best work on things you're most passionate about. Um, so I typically like to work on things that I'm excited about. It's comes close to a team though. It's, it's a very hard question. It, it, if you're just focused on the product, it, you know, I don't know. I'm getting older. I'm, I'm going to be 52 soon. I I'm going to switch my answer. You know, I do tend to focus on, on team because I get more excited working with extraordinary talent. And the problem isn't even, is the problem can be secondary as long as I have empathy for the customer. If I don't have empathy for the customer, then I would change my answer. But if I'm empathetic about the, the problem I'm trying to solve, then I want a world-class team. So that's how I think about that. It's a good answer. Uh, Merrily, I'm curious to hear what your take is on this one. I think it depends on the stage you're at in your career. If you're earlier on in your career, you will want to be more of an IC, so individual contributor, which means you would pursue your passion about pets and learning, you know, how to, to support pets and so on. Um, but as you progress and you your scope increases and you go towards the, the managerial path, 
path, if that makes sense, you would end up choosing more of the, the team um, path and how we as a team can work on something all together, um, which would be more on the second path. So I think it's about the stage of career. And that was a, a really nice question as well, because it, it got me thinking. Um, but yeah, stains of life, stains of career, I think. And I, I would encourage people, this is something I tell people a lot in my courses. By the way, I teach product management. Um, if you guys want to learn more about product management, DM me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on the Slack channel that's been here. I'd love to help. So if you want to be a great product manager, you need to flex different muscles. You need to work on the products that are from zero to one. And then you need to work for, for the products that are one to N, so one to the next billion um, users. And I think that's that's the, the question you're asking here. It's, hey, do you want to do this one thing that's really important and you're passionate about, or do you want to work as a team and do this this other thing that's already existing and kind of bigger? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, depends on the people, and I encourage people to flex different muscles when they're PM. So the right answer would be, I want to try both. Yeah, that's a really helpful piece for people who are in this conversation today and listening to really summarize the, the further into your career you get where you're moving away from a principal IC role into a leader role, it's, it's less about the product. It's more about the people become your product. Your team becomes your product. And the customer, you're just trying to help them become the most empathetic uh, version of what the product should be. So with that in mind, I'm just repeating your words. I take no credit for them. I want to move on to uh, the next, not a question, but a comment uh, that I, I'm seeing in this channel, and hopefully I'm seeing your name, correct, uh, name correctly, but Ebony, and I don't do last names out of protection for personal identity, but um, Ebony was saying that I was someone who had no idea I was a PM for two years in the role. I was just passionate about solving problems for the customers, the empathy thing, Matt, that you were talking about, and uh, merely the idea of don't join it to become one. You're doing it because it's what you love and try it out first. And uh, Ebony had a, a dev team to help bring my dreams to light. I think that's why I make a great PM. I, I just want to solve problems. And with AI and ML, I got to test my solutions over and over and over again to get closer and closer to the ideal solution. So definitely it takes patience, it takes passion, it takes curiosity. And you've proven it as the first to hire your company in the startup world. Uh, you dove in head first without asking questions to solve customer problems. And that makes not just a great PM, but a great hire overall for an early stage company. Yeah, so thank congrats. you. Thank you for that comment. Uh, Jeff, and, please. And Red, sorry, just speaking of curiosity and passion, I want to give a shout out. I see a few people from the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, uh, a program we, we run to empower professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first PM role. A few of them are here in the audience showing their curiosity here to learn, even though they've got uh, a scheduled uh, event tonight where they're learning from other product leaders. They're here too, even though they don't have to be. So shout out to the IPMA crew or the family. Sorry, Red. And also, now that I've got the mic in my hand, Red, sorry, one more thing I have to say. Matt, I've been dying to tell. He's the CEO of PetMeds. He got a puppy shortly before I got a puppy, and I am not a dog person. And my, I just needed Matt to know and anybody who cares that my dog has won me over. And everybody says it happens. And I was so skeptical, not curious as a product manager should be. But my kids won. And now the, the little puppy has won, won my heart. So Red, is that, is that What's the breed of your about dog? how to succeed? What's the breed of your dog? Cavapoo. Cavapoo. Yeah. Classic. Cavalier King Charles Poodle Mix. And, and Red, that's how you succeed in product <laughs> management. <laughs> that's you know, my Jeff, insight to that. 
in five years from now, I hope the dog's breeds are sentences long. Uh, Cavapoo, Havanese, uh, Terrier mixes. Like, I just, I got to tell you, uh, what used to be a mutt is now by design the yeah. cutest thing on the planet. And I hope this dog lives forever as mutts have. Because uh, once you <laughs> fall in you. love, man, it's hard to separate. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Yes, we're not talking about my two standard poodles, Matt's uh, Bulldog and Jeff's Cavapoo. Uh, Merrily, if you want to join and throw out some uh, animal mixture into this, you are more than welcome. But I have another comment coming in from the messages. We just have a compliment. Thank you, Maiwan, for saying this is a great room. I will never, ever turn down a chance to say to the world that someone else has said we're a great room. We don't have to tell ourselves that. With that in mind, I see a bunch of people were hand raising and I want to reiterate the question uh, rules, which is one, you have to have a profile picture and two, your profile has to say something about the business world or being in product. So if, for example, you're a dentist starting a business or maybe evangelizing a specific religion or cause, you are a great human being and we send you love and great vibes. But the stage is not the place for you. The place for you is the rest of Clubhouse. Tonight is reserved for product managers and anyone who can help them become better without the use of religion or the use of any enhancers. Uh, although, to be fair, the best enhancer for any product manager is customers. So if you have customers, please bring them to the stage. Uh, so with that in mind, Jeff, um, just as we're going through another cycle of q and I want to pass this back to you because a lot of times when we do not have people with Q&A, the best Q&A happens between two people who don't regularly meet. That is M and M, which ties me back to the bag of color tricks over here. We've got different flavors. Actually, that's not true. M and M is just colors. It's not flavors. But we have different um, opportunities here for two people from separate sides of the industry, companies large and small, to challenge each other on thoughts, ideas. And with uh, Sumeya here, we usually try to put her into a situation where there is potentially chum in the water and there's a potential uh, opposing side. Uh, Matt and Merrily, we usually find product managers are agreeing with opinions. Everything one says, the other agrees with. I try to take the opposing side. I think there's something that you fundamentally believe that is you and other PMs are not going to like it, but that's what makes you successful. It doesn't happen every episode, Jeff, but I'd love to see if we can stoke some controversy. Controversy. Back to uh, get that. I tried to say it at the exact same time as you. And I want to go back and play that in slow motion because I feel like you worked in so many different similes, analogies, like you were on fire just there. But Marilee, I'm going to put you on the spot if that's all right. Any controversial opinions you think uh, about product management that you want to float for Matt or our audience to chew on or disagree with? Wow. Okay. Interesting. Let's see. Controversial. Yes. Yes. I heard the other day that if you want to be a great product manager, you need an MBA. And I was just so upset because you do not need an MBA. You do not need to have spent $200,000 in order to become a PM. Um, and to the theme of inclusive product management, we need to be inclusive about who gets the, the opportunity to an interview to become a product manager. People do not need an MBA from Ivy League schools. Anyone that's passionate about building products that's creative, that has demonstrated um, impact, can and should interview. So that's that's my controversy for the day, the MBA comment I heard. Interesting. Alas, there's no controversy here. I do not have an MBA, and I 100% agree with you. You do not need an MBA to be a product manager. In fact, most of the MBAs I know that are product managers aren't as good as the, uh, the non-MBA product managers. All right. So Matt's not going to defend the value of my entire existence, which is teaching MBAs 
Oh my god, I'm sorry. I, I, I no. have one. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Could I just revel in what just happened? <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> it's rare this moment is. Let me just enjoy it. Okay, Jeff, back to you. Yeah, <laughs> pause and reflect. But but actually, I, I, I kid because I, I don't think there's actually controversy. I'm going to pull the Sumeya and agree as well. You do not need an MBA. I do think there's a lot of value to an MBA, a lot of things that you learn, a lot of connections that you make that last a lifetime. But if your sole goal is to become a product manager and to succeed exactly. in product management, there are many different paths. And I, as Marilee says, I think it's important for all of us to highlight those paths, because if we're going to have better products, we need a diverse group of people building them and prioritizing what the innovations are. And so there's not just one path and we want to open up and, and explain that there are many paths, one of which is Marilee has a course that, that she's trying to help other pe uh, people break into product management. Matt, it sounded like you were about to come off mute with a controversial opinion. Or is it Marilee was going to go? I, I just wanted to to clarify. MBAs are freaking amazing, but don't do an MBA just to become a product manager because that doesn't make sense. That's all I meant. And of course, I, I truly support MBAs. So I just want to make sure I... <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no worries. I, I think it's actually an important point, though, because we, we do see some people, you know, the imposter syndrome that's been raised on this podcast before about their background or about the degrees that they have. And I think your comment is important to help people realize that they do have a path to product management. If you could structure your thinking and you love your customers and you can uh, organize uh, the ways to achieve business objectives and solve your customer problems, no degree is going to stop you. Matt, did you have a controversial opinion for us? This is what Red lives for. I guess I'll may maybe one's an intentional jab. The other is just, I think everyone's going to agree. One is there's no role in any modern product management or product development organization for a scrum master. Two, in the future, there will be no delineation between a product manager and an AI product manager. AI is assumed as a key need of all product managers. All right. I don't know if we're going to get controversial, maybe, maybe not, Merrily or the audience. Please, if you have a, a comments on those two, but bold, certainly bold. Merrily, please love, give us your instant reaction. I love number two. I love number two. However, you do need uh, ha, ha, let's be how do i challenge this this is this is a good one um if we all become ai product managers then we're all generalists and if we're all generalists how are we going to bring niche products to life that's that's my question does it make sense no you're supposed to answer my questions <laughs> yeah uh no, i'm no, just I, um, ai is going to define the niche for me merely i don't have to, uh, don't worry about it a okay, so I mean, if we if we <laughs> take it there, then AI is gonna be a product manager and replace us in the first place. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to say here, Matt, I know you're trying to take the bait here, create the bait, but Merrily, did you just say that AI is gonna replace product managers, or is that a joke? Like, I'm just. I think you. I think she just said that. Because that's. I, I mean, is that real? Is that possible? The empathy. Uh, Can a you imagine having okay. a heart? You know, let's deviate, let's create history here. But can you imagine uh, like a virtual assistant that's kind of going to be connected on each team and it's going to say, all right, this is the ideation stage. Here are, all, here are these fantastic ideas I just came up with. When I was in university and I was doing my, my PhD, there was a group next sitting next to me and they created the software that was painting. It was painting. It was AI that was painting. It was fantastic. So we can totally see product managers in the future that are going to be AI coming up with the best ideas that no human can come up with. There is a controversy for you. 
Wow. Well, I'm not eerie. Some of the poems I've generated, I'm like, it's better than some poems I could actually generate using AI. I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, I'm not going to take the bait that all of product management is going to be AI driven, but a lot of it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was working on, it's just, sorry, this is interesting. I was working on, I never ended up doing this, but I was working on a software that would use OpenCV to predict the outcome of video games. And then it was really interesting because I actually, um, it kind of got away from me and it was actually becoming a gambling application, which I didn't want to be associated with, but the outcomes it was spinning out, I was like, wow, I mean, I can't even contemplate some of the use cases this algorithm's kicking out. And, and so I was like, wait, do I just generally suck as a product manager, I guess? I mean, is this generally something where I, I, I don't know this product is driving itself? I mean, I was figuring out things in like League of Legends that I never would have been able to figure out. And I did have that moment merely where I was like, am I useless here? I mean, is this actually something that's going to be replacing some of my decision making? And the answer was yes, in many ways. Well, that means we're doing our our job well enough, though. I've, I've felt it before, where I defined, you know, all the requirements, and I wrote all my docs, and I pitched my pitch decks, everything, and people were just taking it all in and just executing and building, and I just wasn't doing much. I was just cheerleading for them. So that was an interesting concept where I said, okay, so maybe. I'm either way very good and I just got myself out of my job or I'm too bad and people just ignore me and do their own thing. So it's it's one of the two. Hey, I don't want to come in between the, the amazing banter, but I do have a question that just came in hot that I think is incredibly relevant. Are you, Matt and Marilee, comfortable with another question? I know we have a hard step at five, but I want to see if I can fit this in. Just give me a, a microphone thumbs up, a little click of it. If uh, There we go. Okay. So, uh, Jody Ann? came in uh, Slack because uh, like I've mentioned earlier, a lot of times product managers have a hard time asking questions. They're either nervous, they don't know how to ask it. So could you maybe talk a little bit about building up the confidence to ask a thoughtful question or really uh, maybe if there's a framework to asking a question so someone can just look and look to that as guidance. And knowing we have about uh, closing thoughts in about three minutes, I would just say uh, try about a minute each of you. What, what would you recommend for this person? They don't want to look stupid and they're fearful of looking stupid. Maybe a little imposter syndrome. How do we fight that? What would you recommend? Marilee? There is no stupid question. If um, you feel awkward about asking something because you may come across as stupid, I encourage you to just ask it. There is no way anyone is going to look at you and say, Ugh, or treat you like this. If they do, you take them to HR and that's it. There's no stupid question. Everyone has questions. Everyone has asked very basic stuff. And I am pretty sure the questions you have, you may have in your mind are things that aren't as basic as you think. So please stop being shy. It's a muscle you can train. You can embrace imposter syndrome. Like I have, I've, like if you asked me five years ago, if I would be here answering questions on the stage like this, uh, there's no way I would do this. I would never ask questions. I thought my voice was too childish. I thought I, I did not deserve being here. But once you kind of um, train your brain to just ask the question, just do the talk and just keep going, um, you kind of forget the fear, if that makes sense. So no question is basing enough. We all need to learn. We all started somewhere. So that's that's what I have to say. Perfect. Matt, what about you? That's a great that's a great answer. I, yeah, the I mean, two things is, you know, all product managers should fall back to framework wise. 
if it's helpful, if you are an introvert, just, you can go back to the five wise frameworks, you know, it's, it, and that's, that's just a zone you can kind of get in almost like meditation and just know that you're looking for pure truth, you know, ask the five whys. I think it's a great way to get to the heart of something. And if you're too scared to do that, ask the two whys, but you know, asking why is, is a great way to learn. And the second thing I would say is no one actually is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. And we spend a lot of time obsessing on how people perceive us and what they must be thinking of us. And the reality is most people don't give a shit. And, you know, your family does, your mom does, your parents do. And you want to be professional, but you're not going to, to Marilee's point, you're not going to sound stupid. You're there for a reason. And if you're nervous about asking questions, you can just ask the question, why? And just do the five why framework. And I find that it's very disarming. And this, I'm surprised that the smartest people I know would just like, Matt, nothing you said made sense. I'm very verbose as a person. And nothing you you said made sense. Why do you think this? And then they do the five whys on me. So five whys is a framework. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about people thinking about you. You're a PM or you're an aspiring PM. It's a really powerful place to be. And it's a real privilege to be there. So just stick to the frameworks and don't worry about what people perceive of you. Wow. True words have never been spoken, Matt. And uh, I can also relate that half the things I say, my wife continuously tells me, I don't have a clue what you're saying, but you're a good man, sir. You're a good man. She actually never says that. Uh, but what I can tell you all is uh, that we are out of time for questions to Q&A. I hope everyone got a chance to ask what they needed to ask. And if they didn't, guess what? We're here every week. It might not be Marilee and Matt next week, but we always have an expert on stage to help out answering your questions. Now we're moving on to closing thoughts. And Matt, just as a heads up, the whiskey of the day is going to be Redbreast 21. It's now $350. I don't know why it went so high as uh, to move $250 to $350 over the last year, but maybe it's a good indication that it's time to get your hands on this before it disappears. Uh, so with that in mind, Jeff, I don't know why I gave a whiskey thought for the first time other than to be pressured by Matt because he's a good guy and he knows how to ask good questions. Uh, back to you for <laughs> I love the the random whiskey comment, but it goes way back because you and Matt have traded thoughts on this. And Matt, your last chance to trade thoughts with the audience. Uh, concluding thoughts for everybody here. Well, thank you for the red breast recommendation. I have not had that bottle. Um, I just want to really thank Mary Lee in particular. I think she is somebody to follow, and I would encourage you to follow her. I've been ghosting you, Mary Lee, on your courseware and how you're thinking about product management. I think you're pretty fascinating as a thinker on the subject. I, I did not know you until this session. So I would encourage everybody to look at what Marilee is doing. And um, if you are excited about product management, find a mentor and a sponsor. There's tons of us that will respond to you that are active in the job. And they're very helpful in, in helping you out if you ask the right questions. So just keep pursuing your passion. There's very few good product managers out there. And, um, you know, we need more of them. And we need more diverse product management. All right. Thank you, Matt. And uh, Red, it looks like there's some questions in this back channel that we didn't get to. So I do want to let them all know that both Matt and Marilee are on the Product Management Center Slack uh, channel. And they're also, so are hundreds, if not thousands of other product managers who can get those questions answered. So uh, please uh, DM Red if you wanted to get those questions answered. Sorry, we didn't get to those tonight. But Marilee, really appreciate you coming back and sharing some great insights. Would love for you to give some concluding thoughts to conclude this show. 
Thank you all so much. And thank you, Matt, for the, the great words. Concluding words are, don't let anyone make you feel like you should be afraid what to ask. Don't allow anyone to make you feel like you should not be a product manager. Don't allow a job rejection to, to, to tell you that you should not keep going. Don't allow anyone to say that an MBA is not for you if you want to be a product manager, including myself. And keep going. Keep trying to, to join this fantastic field. If AI is what you're interested in, I'm more than happy to answer any questions. I have a course I'm running. DM me on Slack or Instagram, whatever you want. Just make the most out of this fantastic community. I am just I'm in the part of the advisory board of this wonderful community. And it's just one of the best, most honest communities and most impactful that I've ever been part of. So thank you for the invitation. We have a lot to talk about. We can do more talks like this, but um, I really enjoyed it. I can't believe it's an hour already. So um, thanks. Time flies when you're having fun. And yes, this is the first ever all uh, product management center at UW advisory board conversation. I don't think we've ever had everybody on the stage, all part of the advisory board of the product management center at UW. Thank you, the three of you for all that you do to help us develop a more diverse, inclusive and skilled product management community. Uh, thanks for your hour today. And thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you know, we need people uh, to really learn how to best meet the needs of the customers, best meet the needs of the business, and uh, also to be thinking inclusively uh, and thinking about tackling some of the world's uh, biggest challenges. And so grateful that you're dedicated to learning and growing either as a product manager or as an aspiring product manager. And wherever you're hoping to, to strengthen your skills, I hope you'll join us on May 20th and May 21st at the Inclusive Product Management Summit not just for the University of Washington students, it's for the entire world. We had over 500 people show up to the last one. 75% of them were product managers and it is going to be fire. I don't know. Is that cool to say these days? Fire? Sorry. Don't need to date myself as not knowing what the cool words are. Um, Matt, is, is fire, is that a cool word these days? Is it, it's know? cool, but if you say it, not cool. Not cool. Okay. <laughs> so true. Uh, anyway, it's going to be a great, we've got two days, one whole day dedicated to inclusive AI, and all of it is about um, helping you be better as a product manager. And I truly believe, and the data shows that inclusion is a path, uh, Not it's a, an end in its own right, it's a moral imperative, but it's also... Uh, a proven path uh, to standard success outcomes in product management. So uh, come on out there, register today, and uh, join us as we develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. We'll see you next week here on Clubhouse. Until then, have a great week, everybody.